It's always great to be able to praise the Lord and tell him how good he is. Um, and I enjoyed uh, near the cross. Um, I guess Alan can expect a call from Bill Gaither sometime this week. <laughs> For those of you under 40, Bill Gaither <laughs> has written some great, great songs and uh, draws you close to the Lord. Well, uh, we're going to talk about a familiar passage of Scripture. If we could put John 10 up here on the screen. Uh, if you just stand up and let's read the Scriptures together. You're all familiar with the Good Shepherd and how Jesus spoke about that, and uh, we'll talk about that today. So let's read. Verily, I tell you, Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in by some other way, is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, but the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. Therefore, Jesus said again, Verily, truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I come that they may have life and have it to the full. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep, and my sheep know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. Father, we come to you in Christ's name. We thank you for the scriptures, Father, and how you reveal yourself to us, Lord. So we turn our hearts towards you to see and to hear your words that we may know you, Father, and that we may follow you, and that we may find peace. And we ask it in Christ's name. Amen and amen. To understand the 10th chapter of John, um, you have to take it in the context of chapter 9. And in the last few verses of chapter 9, it's very interesting. As Jesus is talking, and the setting is this, Jesus is talking to a man that he has healed from, who's been blind since birth, and he's, the Pharisees are standing there with him. And so, in the 39th verse of chapter 9, Jesus said, For judgment I have come into the world so that the blind will see, and those who see will become blind. 
And some of the Pharisees who were with him heard him say this and asked, What? Are we blind too? And Jesus said, If you were blind, you would not be guilty of sin. But now that you claim that you can see, your guilt remains. And so this is going to lead us into chapter 10. And for those of you who are not familiar with chapter 9, what has taken place is Jesus has healed this man who's been blind since birth. And when they came upon him with his disciples and they asked, who sinned? Did this man sin or did his parents sin? And Jesus said, neither one. He's been blind because God is going to be glorified through this. And Jesus healed him. And it caused such a stir. And so the Pharisees called him in and said, who healed you and who is this? He said, I don't know. I just know I can see. And uh, the parents were brought in, and they said, tell us about this. Is this really your son? And they said, yes, he is. Well, how did this happen? And they said, ask him. He's old enough. Because they were scared of the Pharisees, because anybody who followed Jesus was put out of the synagogue. Their relationship with God through the synagogue was broken. It was a frightful thing for the people to be put out of the synagogue and the circle of their friends to be shunned like that. And so they called the blind man in, and he, he said, I don't know if he's a sinner or not a sinner. All I know is that he healed me. He's a prophet. And the Pharisees said, no, no, because they were in it for themselves. They were the ones that exploited the people. They weren't there to serve the people and to bring them. They were there to use them. And this is some of the things that they would say. In, in verse 29 of chapter 9, we said, they said to this fellow, we know that God speaks to Moses, but we don't even know where this fellow, this Jesus, comes from. Uh, now, you see, they have really stepped into it now. Because Jesus knew where he came from. Jesus told them where he came from. And Moses also spoke about Jesus. Let me read to you a few verses. In John chapter 8, starting uh, with the 14th verse, Jesus answered the Pharisees, and this is what he said, Even if I testify on my own behalf, my testimony is valid, for I know where I came from and I know where I'm going. But you have no idea where I came from or where I am going. You judge by human standards. I pass judgment on no one. But if I do judge, my decisions are right because I am not alone. I stand with the Father who sent me. In our own law, it is written that the testimony of two men is valid. I am one who testifies for myself. My other witness is the Father who sent me. The Pharisees said, we don't know where he's coming from. And he says, my life testifies about me, and the Father who sent me testifies about me. Do you remember when the John the Baptist disciples came to Jesus and they said, are you really the one? John sent us. And Jesus said, just judge me by my life. Judge me by my works if I'm from God. Boy, all of the things that he was teaching and the miracles that he was performing uh, showed that he was from the Father. But the men were blind to it. The Pharisees were blind to it. They said he speaks, uh, God spoke to Moses, but what about this man? Uh, John 12, 49, and 50 tell us this. Jesus says, For I do not speak of my own accord, but the Father who sent me commanded me what to say and how to say it. 
I know that his commandments lead to eternal life. So whatever I say is just what the Father has told me. God was speaking through Jesus, and you know that. Spoke to him all the time. Jesus just followed him. And in John chapter 5, to set you all up to what Jesus was trying to show the Pharisees, Jesus says this, But do not think I will accuse you before the Father. Your accuser is Moses, on whom your hopes are set. If you believed Moses, you would believe me, for he wrote about me. But since you do not believe what he wrote, how are you going to believe what I say? As most of you know, Moses wrote Genesis, the first five books of the Bible, the Pentateuch. Moses wrote them under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. In Genesis 3.15, what did Moses write? I will put an enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers, and he will crush your head and you will strike his heel. God spoke this to Satan, and he was speaking about Jesus. And Moses wrote it. He also spoke to him about God, about Abraham, and wrote about Abraham and Mo and. Uh, Jesus, and about Jesus was going to be a blessing to all the nations through Abraham and the promise of Abraham. Moses wrote that. You see, here's the problem with the Pharisees. Intellectually, they were not blind. They were well-educated. But they were blind spiritually because they would not obey the Word of God. And that's the key. It's interesting, Wednesday night, Scott was teaching and he spoke about a fellow who taught about the New Testament, and he was an atheist. Well-educated, but not an obeyer of the word. You see, spiritual insight comes through obeying God, knowing his word, following him, and all of a sudden, you start to see. You start to hear. And you start out as a child, you start out immaturely, and you're just growing, and all of a sudden the voice of God starts to become a little more recognizable. Oh, that's him again. Yeah, I'll do that. I'll obey. Oh, yeah, I see it in the word here. But you see these Pharisees, blind as they could be because they would not obey. They didn't want to. They wanted to keep control. They wanted to keep their authority. They wanted to control the people. They exploited the people. Our God never exploits people. Never. He redeems them. He saves them. He brings them in. He makes them part of the family. He says, all I have is yours. You're mine now. In fact, I'm going to give you my spirit within you. You have sonship. You're a daughter of mine now. But they would not see it. They would not take it. They wanted to keep control. And so basically, Jesus is saying, if you don't believe me, you don't believe Moses. Now, why do I lay out all this groundwork to you? Because this is what the scriptures are saying, and this is what Jesus is trying to show the Pharisees. And it's also a warning to us. Know the scriptures. See over and over again how Jesus fulfilled the scripture and how Jesus keeps his promises today through the word of God, through the scriptures. And you go, there he is, there he is, there he is. I hear his voice. I see his direction over and over again. So in that context, 
as he's speaking to these blind Pharisees, blind spiritually, he leads it into then John chapter 10. He's also what has in front of him. He's got a new convert right in front of him. The blind man has accepted him as the Messiah and is worshiping him. So he's trying to teach him also and anybody else that's within earshot of this is what God is like. This is what a spiritual leader is like. I want you to understand. These men are blind. And this is what these men are doing to you. But I want to tell you what God is like. I want to tell you what I am like. I want you to know my nature. I want you to know my character. Because to truly follow anybody, you have to know their nature. You have to know their character. When I um, go on the mission trips and take folks with me, I, one of the reasons I go to the places I do is not only because I feel the direction of the Lord, but I trust the character of the missionaries that are there. I trust them explicitly because I believe they love the Lord with all their heart and they love us and they will watch out for us. They will care for us. And so I'll follow. I won't follow somebody I don't trust. And I struggle with that at times. And so if it's a new place that we're going to and I feel the pull of the Lord, I will talk to other people that know the missionaries and I say, what are, they, what are these folks like? Sometimes I've gone by myself to meet them first to check the spirit out and what they're like and see if they, are they speaking the words of the Lord or do they just want people to do something for them or do they just want money? Because you see, it's the character. And is it the character of Christ? Are my folks going to have a deposit put in them by the Lord? And we all are in this together, to listen to our Lord together, to obey together, to move together, to worship together, to study the word together. All of these things that we might listen and obey our shepherd. So, you see, this leads us into chapter 10. And so as the Lord starts to explain his character in the 10th chapter, and he talks about being a good shepherd, he goes on to say, I will tell you the truth, that the man who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in it by any other way, is a thief and a robber. You've got to remember right now that the Pharisees are standing right with him. And what he's doing them is calling them thieves and robbers. A pretty bold move. But he's also got this man standing beside him who was blind, and now he sees, but even greater, was lost, and now he's saved. He's got eternal life. He's going to be with Christ for an eternity. So he speaks boldly, and he speaks about this. Now, please remember this. Now, I know all of you grow up, and you had pet sheep, and you tended flocks especially if you were like me growing up in Detroit. Um, we had a lot of sheep pens. <laughs> uh, they got a lot more room up there now to graze sheep with all the buildings they've torn down. <laughs> Might be a good idea. When he talks about a sheep pen or a sheep fold, um, he's talking about much more than just an enclosure that protects the sheep. He's talking about the management and the relationship between a shepherd and the sheep. The sheep pen 
uh, is just an enclosure that um, protects the sheep at night, breaks the, the wind and, from getting in there, but also a spot where the shepherd can watch over them and check them and inspect them. Um, in uh, Kenya, we saw those, um, and they have them for cattle too. They're called bomas. They're made out of large branches, and they weave them together, and they pack them as tight as they can, and there's only one entrance to it. Um, remember, Satan's call goes about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Predators seek ways to get inside the pen, to get over the pen any way they can. If in, in the hills of um, Bethlehem are dotted with caves and rock formations that enclose things, and they would use those as a sheep pen or a sheep fold. And you can go in there, and it's partly cave, but it's partly rock, and sunlight gets through also. And um, you can just block the entrance, and you can bring the sheep in at night where they'll be protected, and a shepherd will stand in front of the doorway and protect them. But it's just not a place of security and protection. It's a relationship. It's a relationship where the shepherd is always thinking about the sheep and managing the sheep, feeding the sheep, watering the sheep, protecting the sheep. It's just not a place of protection. It's a relationship. A sheep pen is filthy. It's a dirty place to live. Some of you have been inside those. Some of you have been in some of the bomas where the Maasai keep their cattle. And you go in there and it's covered with manure because that's what animals do. They just drop in unexpectedly, don't they? <laughs> it's everywhere. There's no food there. There's no water there. It's just a place of protection. But you see, the shepherd is up before dawn. The shepherd is thinking, how do I water the sheep today? Where do I take them to feed them? Where do I go where I can protect them? He's way ahead of the sheep. The sheep are just kneeling down, scared of their own shadow. But before the sun comes up, he's out. He's looking at the fields. He's looking at the water. And then he approaches the sheep pen. Jesus said, those who don't come in by the gate are thieves and robbers. They'll come in any other way, and they'll exploit the sheep. Any other way. Listen closely to me. Any other God than Jesus Christ will exploit you. Any leader that doesn't follow the Lord Jesus Christ will exploit you. And they won't come in through Jesus. They'll find some other way. They'll try to talk you into it. They'll try to use their voice. And it's, only, it's always for their benefit, and it always leads to your destruction. They'll throw money at you. They'll throw miracles at you. They'll put all kinds of promises out there. Anything to attract you or to get to you. But it's only through Jesus Christ, the gate, the door. He's the only way to the Father. He's the only way to heaven. Anybody that doesn't point you towards Christ, listen to their words. Listen to the voice. 
because it's only Christ who is the good shepherd. Everybody else, everybody else is a thief and a robber. But the shepherd comes as the dawn is breaking, and a shepherd will do things to let them know the sheep that the shepherd is coming. Sometimes they'll whistle, sometimes they'll sing, sometimes they'll tap on the gate, I'm here, I'm coming. And the sheep, it says here, know his voice. And here's the key to it. All of the shepherd's thoughts and actions are for the benefit of the sheep. All of it. Every part of it. He does not come to exploit the sheep. He comes for their benefit. Therefore, the sheep relate to the shepherd that when the shepherd is here, good things happen. It's a benefit towards me to follow the shepherd. So they recognize his voice. They respond to his voice. Um, I read about some of this, and I, and I saw some sheep down in Honduras a few years ago. Sheep really do recognize the voice of a shepherd. And they won't respond to other ones as they know his voice. And it's a hear the call. And you can call them yourself. You can call them by their name, and they won't respond to you because they know the shepherd's voice and all the benefits that come from following the shepherd who thinks about them all of the time and who has a plan for them. And they keep the eyes on the shepherd. It was interesting to me, um, and in the back of my mind for years, I know this is going to sound funny, I've wanted to go and live with a shepherd for a month or two just to learn about this, but also to learn about me, because I'm a sheep. And I prove it to myself over and over again. And so this fellow that was down in Honduras who was over the agricultural part of the ministry there uh, had these sheep, and they were eating the grass between these African oil palms that they have growing to, to get the oil out of them to get some income for the hospital. And when he would walk up in that, the sheep that were out there would always, and maybe it was a dozen, he didn't have a whole lot, and um, they always would watch him. And he'd walk this way, and then they'd start grazing, and they may be 50 yards away, and they'd start grazing, but they'd always keep him in, in sight. And as the day was getting warmer, he was going to bring them in under a shelter to keep, uh, where they would be in the shade and not so hot. Um, but we were standing next to him, and he'd open the gate, and they wouldn't come in because we were there. And when we walked away, <laughs> whether it was in it just him, then they, then they came on in. They weren't going to respond to any stranger, only one, the shepherd who took care of them, the shepherd who knew them by name. And the Lord knows your name and wants to show you his character as your shepherd. So he says, the man who enters by the gate is the chief is the shepherd of the sheep, and the watchman opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. And he calls his own sheep by name, and he leads them out. And when he has brought them all out on his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. They know his voice. Um, God speaks to us. I, I hurt on the inside when I hear Christians say, God never says anything to me. And I think, what a life to follow a God that you can't hear. 
to try to be obedient to someone you don't know what he's talking about. God speaks, and God speaks all the time. And most of you know that very well. He has given us his Holy Spirit. John 14, 26 tells us, Jesus said, I'm going to give you a counselor, and he's going to teach you all of my words. The Holy Spirit speaks to us. Hebrews 4.12, when it talks about God's word, for the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to the dividing of the soul and the spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. God speaks to us through his word all the time. And the scripture should be like a piercing sword to you. And uh, it does to me all of the time. But the Holy Spirit speaks to you. Uh, <coughs> I have found that if I'll listen uh, when I'm praying, that God says things all the time. And he talks to me about my life and he gives me direction. Uh, I know he's alive and well because he's working within my heart. Uh, and the words of the Lord to guide us, to be our shepherd. Every now and then, I'll ask what, to people, what is God doing in your life? And I've had a couple of people say, you know, they kind of get ready if they know they're going to see me because I'm going to ask them that. <laughs> and I do this for the very reason. I want to encourage people to listen to the voice of their shepherd who's really looking out for them, who's trying to care for them, and that he's going to meet their needs. And he's going to protect them. He's going to give them hope. The voice of the Lord. If we're his sheep, we should recognize his voice and respond to it. So what does that do to you this morning? Okay? Now, I can tell you sad stories to make you cry. I can start telling jokes, jokes and make you laugh. But my word to you this morning is this. If you claim Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you know his voice. And I want to encourage you this morning to listen and to obey, to respond to him. I just had it happen on uh, the trip. Now, you may think this is rather trivial, but for me, it's not. Because listening to the voice of the Lord is really a lifestyle. When we were over in Kenya, uh, we had had a wonderful time ministering. And then we went over to the Maasai Moor to this tent camp, and it, it was a great place. We were there a couple of years ago. <clears throat> and when we were there a couple of years ago, the manager did a wonderful thing for us because when we arrived, the accommodations weren't quite ready, and he apologized. And I said, you know, this is not a big problem. You can put Jill and I over in this area. And he said, no, no, we just need to move a bed or two. And he said, I'm going to do some special things for you. And one of the things he did was a, a, a bush breakfast, they called. And so the last morning there, when we were out driving around in the Land Rovers and that, they pulled into this thicket by the river, and they've got these tables set up, and the cooks are there, and they're making crepes and pancakes and sausages and all this kind of thing. And it's this great picnic, and you're looking out at the river, and there's hippos there, and all these kind of things. It's just a real treat. And he said, I just wanted to bless you <clears throat> because of uh, you were patient with us. Well, I rolled into the same place, and I'm looking for the manager because he wanted us to come back, and I wanted to say, hey, it's two years later. We're back. And we're back because you treated us so well. And in the back of my mind, 
I, I hate to admit this, but it's the truth, so I'm, I'm just going to do it. <laughs> In the back of my mind, I'm thinking, I might remind this guy about how great he was to us, uh, given us that, because the breakfast is expensive. It's like 40 bucks a person, they charge. <clears throat> and... Um, so I, I, we roll in there, and uh, all these people come out to greet us, and the manager's not there. They got a new manager. <laughs> and I said, here's your sign, Bruce. <laughs> and I even thought, I could remind this guy, and I felt the Holy Spirit say, don't you dare say that, Bruce. Because I was, I was in my own way, I was trying to manipulate the manager that he would bless our group with one of those breakfasts. And I had to repent in my heart. And I said, yes, Lord. Because you see, sometimes I act like the Lord's not in control. Sometimes I act like my shepherd's gone and I'm on my own, which is a lie. He will never leave me or forsake me. That's the only way I can be a Christian, is to know my Lord is there all the time and that he's active, and he's working, and he's moving. And so I didn't say anything. <clears throat> and we settled in and, and started to ride around and eat everything set in front of us. And the night before we left, the manager came up and said, I'd like to bless you guys with a bush breakfast. And I was excited, but I was so embarrassed in my spirit. God knew what he was going to do all of the time. Now, that's a very minor story compared to some of the issues that you and I face in our lives. But God is in control. My shepherd is always looking out for my behalf. My shepherd has always gone before me. And if I rely on any other leadership other than my Lord Jesus Christ, I will be destroyed, I will be robbed, I will be left penniless, I'll be left abandoned out in the gutter. But my God is in control, you see. And he speaks. He speaks through the Holy Spirit. He speaks through the Word. He speaks through people. David takes Bathsheba as his wife, kills her husband, and the prophet Nathan comes to him and says, let me tell you a story about sheep. There's a rich man and a poor man, and the poor man only had one sheep, raised it in his family, carried it around, slept with it. It was part of the family. It was like it was his daughter. And the rich man had a traveler come and visit, and the rich man wouldn't take any of his own sheep. He went and took this one sheep away from this poor man and took it and used it to serve a meal to this traveler. And instantly David said, that man should die. He should pay back four times for what he took. And Nathan said, you're the man and David repented. He heard the voice of the Lord through this godly prophet. And he said, Lord, I sinned against you. And he repented. Sometimes the Lord uses people to speak. You need to listen. You need to discern. You need to know the word. You need to be filled with the Holy Spirit and obeying the Holy Spirit so you can grow in your discernment and your maturity. The sheep know the voice of the shepherd so they know where to follow, they know where to go. One of the hardest things for a shepherd is when sheep don't listen. 
<laughs> I was reading a little bit about it, and they said sometimes you'll talk to the sheep, and they'll start to follow and lead you out, and there'll be one or two who will just stand in the pen and look at you. And you keep calling them, you keep calling them, they just stand there and look at you. Difficult. And I go, why do all these stories always relate to my life? <laughs> because there's not a day that goes by that God isn't calling me to him, just as he's doing with you and to guide you. He's trying to explain what his leadership is like <clears throat> and what everybody else's leadership is like because they will not respond to a strange voice. Do you remember Genesis 3, starting with verse 1? And Satan was more crafty than any other of the animals. And he came to the woman and said to her, did God really say you were going to die? And what did Satan use? He used his voice. And I want to go back again to having the Holy Spirit, knowing God's word. You hear voices. You hear the voice of the Lord, you hear the voice of Satan, and then you've got your own spirit that is speaking to you. You have to discern and say, this is not God. And I reject it totally. The voice of the enemy who comes at you. The voice of the enemy who Jesus Christ is crushing his head. Can you discern it? Can you know it? You should be able to pick up on it with the Holy Spirit. The voices that speak to you um, in every avenue of your life those sounds that come, what are they saying to you? Who are they leading to you? Are they protecting you or are they robbing you, destroying you? Know the voice of our Lord. Reject the voice of a stranger. Walk in his ways. All these other voices have no understanding. Jesus went on to say this. Therefore, Jesus said again, I tell you the truth, I am the gate for the sheep. All who came after or before me were thieves and robbers. But the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. He will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and to destroy. I have come that they may have life, and they may have it to the fullest. Some in the scriptures say that they might have an abundant life. <clears throat> so what I would ask you this, and I've just asked this to two wonderful young people, how would you define a full life? How would you define an abundant life? Because Jesus said, I'm trying to lead you. I'm going to lead you into good pasture. I'm going to lead you where the water is. I'm going to protect you. I'm going to watch over you. And I've come that you might have life and that you might have an abundant life. I ask you this morning, as a follower of the Jesus Christ, what would you say is a full and an abundant life for you? It's a great question to answer. I get some of the guidelines about that from what the scriptures say. I know part of it because Jesus said he came to heal the broken hydrant, give sight to the blind, set the captive free, and to declare the acceptable year of the Lord. Part of a full life for me is having a full heart that's not broken. 
that's been mended by God and that's full of hope and trust and faith, that I've been set free from sin and it's not my master at all, that I know what the gospel is, I'm not blind to it, and that I'm acceptable to God. That's part of what being a full life for me is, according to scriptures. Romans 14, 17 tells us what? The kingdom of God's not meat nor drink, but it's righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. So I know that part of a full and abundant life for me is righteousness, good relationship with God, and peace in my life, and having joy. And I've claimed this, and my wife and I have claimed it through some extremely difficult times in our life. Because some terrible things happen to each and every one of us. Very hard things that want to crush our life, wants to destroy it, take peace and joy away from us. And to be able to say, I have a good shepherd that has come into my life that's going to continue to guide me every single day, despite what's happened today, Jesus said that I can have a full life, I can have an abundant life. And I believe it, and I'm going to follow him, and I'm going to obey him, and I'm going to do it. And I'm here to say that my wife and I have a full life, even though at times our hearts hurt. And an abundant life. The life that God has for us. And we're striving every day to try to be a little bit more obedient, to follow him a little bit more. Believing that he's going to turn everything for our good because we love him. And also that he's going to shape us more and more into the image of Christ. The abundant life. I love what um, um, Solomon said to God. David died. Solomon is now king. God comes and he speaks to Solomon. God hears the voice of God, the voice of his shepherd, the voice of his leader. And God says to Solomon, what do you want me to do for you? And if you would look at uh, sometime just in Second Chronicles <clears throat> chapter 1 and verse 9, and most of you know what the response was. But I want to remind you what the first thing that Solomon said to God. And he said, God, I want you to keep the promise you made to my father. That's the first thing that Solomon asked for. Because you see, God had promised Solomon's father, David, that his family would stay on as king generation after generation after generation and that he would be with them. Solomon said, keep your promise, God. You've made it to my father. I'm the next one. Keep your promise to me as king. And then Solomon, as you know, said, boy, there's so many people that are like the dust on the ground. I need discernment and wisdom. How do I govern a people like this? And then God said to him, because you have not asked for wealth, wealth riches, honor, the death of your enemies, or long life, because you've asked for none of these, I'm going to make you wealthy. I'm going to give you honor and power. I'm going to put terror in your enemies, so you're going to be protected on every side, and I'm going to give you a long life. Because, you see, Solomon knew that if God would keep the promise he made to David, that everything else would work out. For us, we turn to our God and we say, God, keep your promise to me that you would hold my life and you would watch after me, 
that you'll be my good shepherd, that you'll lead me out. So we can say, and we could all go through Psalms 23, and we don't have the time to say, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I have a good shepherd. He's going to take care of all of me, all the time. Even though I walk through the valley of shadow of death, he's with me. He's going to set up a table in the midst of my enemies. Things are looking, if you're walking through the valley of shadow of death, if your enemies are all around and God's setting a table for you, he's showing his presence to you all the time. He is there. And so Solomon said, oh, just keep your promises. And 2 Corinthians tells us that every promise is yes and amen that God makes. For all of us who believe on him, every promise. So my prayers many times are, God, just keep your promises. Father, answer the prayers that Jesus is interceding for me right now because you are the good shepherd. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand, not the shepherd who owns the sheep, so when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and it's scattered. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. He repeats again, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. And just as the father knows me and I know the father, I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. And he's going to bring the Gentiles in, as you know. I must bring them in also. They too will listen to my voice and they shall be one with the flock, and one flock and one shepherd. So, um, can you believe that God will keep his promises? Can you believe that he's a good shepherd, that his intentions towards you are always good, even when he disciplines you? Can you believe Romans 8.32 when he says, he didn't spare his own son, he's not going to withhold any good thing from me. This is the kind of shepherd that I have. Will I trust him? Will I follow him? Will I listen for his voice? Day to day, moment to moment. I believe that's one of the reasons that Paul prayed without ceasing, because he wanted to hear the voice of the Lord. He wanted to be guided. He wanted to feel that security. And he did. All the things that Paul went through, and he never backed away from the Lord. Never doubted. Just stayed in there, because he knew the Lord was going to work everything out for his benefit. <clears throat> what about you this morning? I would ask you, is Jesus Christ your shepherd? Is Jesus Christ good to you as you know him? Do you recognize his voice? If you have difficulty with that, all you have to do is seek him, and he will be found. That's what he tells us. Your life will change if you get up every morning and say, the Lord is my shepherd, and he's a good shepherd. The Lord's been up before me. He's been planning my day. No matter what happens today, the Lord is leading me, and he's with me. And when this day is over, I'll go back into the sheep pen for a few hours. I'll be protected here. He's going to watch out for me. But the next thing, the next day, I'm out of the sheep pen. I'm out in the pastures. I'm out where the water is. I'm out where my shepherd is is using me for his purposes and watching over me. That's the life of a Christian with a good shepherd. No matter what's happening, my shepherd is good, and he's with me. Will you stand?
So as Jesus explains to this new believer and to these men who have hearts of stone who will not turn to him or acknowledge him, even though Moses talked about him, and Jesus explains this is what God's nature is like. This is what a good shepherd is like. And he did. He laid down his life, didn't he? And he rose again to show what kind of power he has. Jesus Christ will never leave you or forsake you. He will watch over. He will protect you. And he will be with you. He's the good shepherd. Will you follow him? We're going to give you a chance to, if you've never said yes to Christ, we're going to have people that will pray for you right now. If you've got some things you'd like to pray about and just agree with other people who are just in this one flock with this one shepherd, Jesus Christ, they'll pray for you. This is your opportunity to speak to the Lord, and this is the opportunity to listen. He'll talk to you. I know he will. Let's take a moment and give you that opportunity. You hold by every moment. You calm my raging sea. You walk with me through fire. You heal all my disease. I trust in you. I trust in you. Cause I believe, I believe you.
So Father, we thank you for your great blessing. We thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, who has revealed your character and showed us what kind of shepherd you are, Lord. We ask in the name of your son, Christ, that you would speak to us. We're going to come to you and enter through the gate through Christ himself every single day, Father, believing that you're watching over us. I ask you to bless every single person in here. I ask you to lead them into the green pastures and by the still waters, Lord, and to comfort them and to restore their soul. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.